James chapter 2. James, the second chapter. We are continuing, continuing our hot button issues. Just to give you a heads up, we will, um, Pastor Don will be with us next Sunday. And then, to, and then uh, our own OG will finish the rest of the series first Sunday in August. And we got a new message series. We got a new message series that I want you to be on the lookout for. And that's called Heaven. Heaven. So get ready for it. There's a lot of misconceptions about heaven, and I kind of want to put them to rest. <laughs> so you may understand biblically what it means. But in the meantime, we are in our hot button issues, and I hope that you've been enjoying this series. Tuesday night, I talked, Tuesday night, I talked about sexuality and ended it there. And um, this Sunday... I will be talk. I want to talk on the issue of racism, and so again, our hot button issues. Purpose of it is to address controversial issues that we are facing in our culture. From a biblical point of view, we want to hear what God has to say about these issues, in order that we may be informed. Our goal by the end of this message is to give you the biblical understanding on these issues, to be well informed on how to talk with your circle of influence when these conversations come up, equipping us all to address these issues from a place of love, grace, but most importantly, biblical truth. All right? So I'll, let's talk about racism, and I want to address it from James uh, chapter 2. Amen? All right, so it says, My brethren, we read it together. My brethren, do not hold faith, hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and a fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man of filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand here or sit here at my footstool, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Verse 5. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. All right. So I want to talk about racism today. I want you to know that, first of all, to begin with, is that in this text, this is a form of partiality. This is a form of prejudice, one of many other forms. Right here, um, James is being very, um, 
he's being strategic by why he's talking about the rich and the poor because that was often happening within the church that we would show partiality to one that is rich versus one that is poor and the reason why James is saying that is because hey why would you show more part why would you show more favor to them when they're the ones dragging you into the courts they're the ones persecuting you and they are persecuting the noble name that you represent so I don't I want to that that is a form of partiality. And so we are living in a time, ladies and gentlemen, again, uh, we're just talking about what's going on in our culture here in North uh, uh, Northern America and uh, North America, excuse me. And, and we're getting to a place of having to understand that uh, and, and not be uh, living under a rock that racism does exist. Yeah. Racism has been an issue that has plagued our country since its founding days. Um, you go from you you go from uh, the we go from trying to be free from the Britons, and then we have our own civil war within uh, the Americas, and so you had the South versus fighting the North, and then with that promising freedom, and it never happened, and so what happened is you had European. Uh, European settlers that would come and and pretty much think of themselves to be more superior than another race. And so if you look at what the definition is of uh, of racism, ladies and gentlemen, if we if we want to look, take a look at that racism is a belief that race is the primary detriment of human traits and capacities. I mean, excuse me, determinant of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race, meaning in such thing that a one race is superior than another or one race should have more favoritism than one uh, than another one. That one thinks of themselves superior, which that, my friend, the Bible talks about that one should not think uh, more highly of themselves than what they ought to. And so when you do that, that is a sin. That sin is uh, is one of pride. That sin, that is one of arrogance. And God, God is not for that. And he is against that. So some people would say, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, uh, that racism does not exist. So while we have been uh, so-called, quote unquote, free from the Jim Crow laws, uh, because, again, when we deal about racism, we're dealing with uh, in our country uh, one race problem with uh, uh, colored people, with minorities. And African-Americans, even in this day, is just not the only ones who are still fighting in this struggle. But we have our Latina, uh, we have our Latino Americans and we have our Hispanics that are dealing with this issue as well. Any person of color. And so, again, we live in a country right now that is more divisive than anything. And again, I'm not making this whole thing about a Trump show or anything like that, but it does not help when you have a leader of the free world uh, helping to contribute to the divisiveness and the rhetoric that is going on in our in our in our society today that is constantly making people pick what side they're going to be on. And then here's where I'm going to get to, because, again, my my message about this series is not so much to address the unbeliever. I expect that from them. My goal is to deal with those who are in the church to give clarity because here's the issue. Us in the church are being more divisive than anything. 
You have our evangelical brothers and sisters that are in support of a, 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 a in support of a person, which I do understand because of the religious freedoms that we have. But we have to be very careful to stand behind certain things that does not add up to what the scripture says. But look past it because of what that person comes and brings with. Are you hearing me tonight? And we have our, but more importantly than, uh, uh, than the president itself, because again, I'm not here to bash and I'm not here to do all of that. Because I think we, we, we put too much of the blame towards the president and don't understand that he just got there for four years. He coming up on his fourth year. Presidents only get eight terms. So if now if you go into school and ha, 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 he only get two terms, excuse me. And so, you, so most that a president can have is eight years. So the reality is this, ladies and gentlemen, is that you have people that have been in your state governments that have been putting rules together and putting laws together that are binding, oh my God, that are keeping us certain race being more higher than the next one that is not laws that are benefiting the, uh, the, the benefiting the whole but it's benefiting one versus another and so more than the White House, you have your state houses that are you put in office that have been there longer than what Trump got there. And these problems did not just come because Trump was in office. These problems didn't just come because Obama is out of office. They were always there. And so you you are ignorant to think that one man has the has the full power because there's checks and balances and your state government are the ones who you need to be putting your eye on because at the end of the day they have terms that will outlast the president. Come on. And you got congressmen, your own congress who you vote that's been there longer than Trump. But yet we're pointing a direction to him. Come on, man, wake up. You are you you gotta understand that this is bigger than a president. This is a whole issue of government. Are you hearing me tonight? But what we have today is a newfound way, a new, uh, uh, while racism does not exist in the way that it did, uh, uh, but I, I still say that it's still, you have those who are undercover racist, and then now because of the rhetoric and the divisiveness, you have those who are just blatant because they see somebody being blatant with it, so they now can come out of the closet of being a racist. But now what we have, ladies and gentlemen, is another form of racism, and that's called institutionalized racism. It's also known as systemic racism. And so what we have today, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and what's going on in our culture and what we are battling with now uh, for uh, 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 this specific group of people, with uh, us being African-Americans and minorities, what we're dealing with now is, my, uh, 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 is institutional racism. Are you hearing me tonight? So what is that? What is that? It is, it is a form of racism expressed in the practice of social and political institutions. It is, watch this, reflected in disparities regarding wealth, income, criminal justice, employment, housing, health care political power, and education, among other factors. Again, I'll say this again. It is a form of racism expressed in the practice of social and political institutions. 
It is reflected in disparities regarding wealth. There is a huge gap in wealth between the Caucasian community and the African-American community. There is a huge gap in wealth. Criminal justice, some of the laws that are in place are putting our young men in, oh my God, in jail for petty crimes and seeing years in jail that other races will not see because of the color of their skin. Now, I will say this and stop right here. If you got caught up in doing that, then you still have an issue. And you can't expect the church to pray for you and say, oh, get me out of here when you know you did wrong. Let's put it, let's put it there. There's some, let me make that clear right now, because sometimes we go overboard trying to preach this and say, oh, they didn't deserve it. Some of them jokers deserve to be there. And they didn't get there because of their color of their skin. They got there because of their stupidity. And so now you want somebody, you want the pastor to lie on the court and say he was just good all his life. I remember when he went to church as 12 years old, boy, he was good, but that don't mean nothing. He 25 now. He ain't the same little kid that was sitting in the front row. But you want me to wear my collar and lie and talk about his character? Come on, you get you out of your mind. Here's what I'm saying. Employment. Employment's real. You got the same African-Americans are just as you got more African-Americans, more educated now than ever. But then there there's disparities with their income or having to be able to find a job. And we go get doctor's degree and master's degree, go in more debt and still can't get a job. When little Billy just, who, who was getting drunk all his four years in college, then comes and easily gets a job because of, all right. So housing, you have the issue in housing. Do you know at one point that certain mortgage, certain mortgage companies wouldn't give blacks, a, a, wouldn't lend them anything? And if they did lend them anything, they would charge them, oh my God, a whole load of interest that you wouldn't even be able to do that anyway. So right now, in our society, we still have the issue of racism that is still plaguing us. Yeah. This is not me trying to bring a Black Panther message. It's me trying to give you the truth. The reality is this, is that we still have those that we still, in our inner city schools, man, our educational system is horrible. It is horrible. We have to open up charter schools just so you can, uh, so just so our kids can have a chance. My God, their books are are look at go in the inner city, go to Baltimore City. Matter of fact, go to D.C. No books. Books are jacked up, man. How you gonna? How the kid gonna learn like that? disparities man my god we are in the oh my god we are in 2019 what do you mean that there is no ac in the school that is crazy to me we are in 2019 and you got lead being found in the water this is crazy to me trying to pollute and poison our kids with a not oh my god and it's not even a safe place 
and they think that the way of teaching your kid is giving them more test. Oh, my God. My Jesus, that don't set us up. In our church, in our churches, we have men of God, of, other, of, our, of our other brothers and sisters who are afraid to talk about such things because they don't want to step on anybody's toes and not address what is wrong. They are scared to stand behind the pulpit and tell their predominantly Caucasian church that racism is wrong. What is happening is wrong. Not, not willing to say anything, willing to keep quiet. And that's why James is writing this. James is writing this, ladies and gentlemen, in a time. He's writing this in, an, in a partial society. It's familiar to now. He's writing at a time where that culture at the moment is partial. Then you have to understand in the ancient world of this time, ladies and gentlemen, that it was filled with prejudice and hatred based on class, ethnicity, nationality, and religious background. In the ancient world, ladies and gentlemen, people were constantly and permanently categorized because they were a Jew or Gentile. You were either slave or free, rich or poor, Greek or barbarian, similar to the, what the day we are living in now. In today's society, ladies and gentlemen, it's the same thing. You are either rich or poor. You are stereotyped to think that all black people like chicken. You are stereotyped. They put you in that box. I'm telling you. We are in a time today that we are constantly judged for external things. And we have this thing in our society, which I think is funny, called culture vultures. Or what is that word called? Like they jack in your culture or something like that? Yeah, yeah, that word. So you got culture uh, appropriation or something like that. In other words, what that means is that for another culture is stealing another culture's swag. You get what I'm saying? So here's, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. So the braids that you guys have, let another culture do that. Oh, that is so cute. But they look at you and say you're ghetto, stereotyped. And you can be the most educated one in the room. But because of your external, because your hair is done a certain type of way, you are immediately labeled, oh, she's a hooded rat. She has to be. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and you say, oh, my God, I love your hair. Is it real? Yeah. I'm telling you, you better be. <laughs> you are constantly judged by your economic status. You can't hang with us unless you have this certain amount of money. Similar to James Day and the Apostles Day. And what James is doing that is addressing it to the church because the church was allowing partiality to creep in. And here's why I have to park my tent and come for the church, because what set us apart in the ancient world was that was this is that they saw the camaraderie that rich and poor had together. 
Christ. Oh my God. They saw the unity that the church had and that unity looked at way different than what, oh my God, that was happening in the world. Oh my God, they will know that you are from me because the way you love one another. Because of the love that they had for one another, that is what attracted the world to want to come apart and find out what is about this group that's different. Because in Christian, when, when we come together, the church, the ecclesia being drawn out, we are drawn out from different ethnicities. We are drawn out from different economic classes. We are drawn out from, oh my God, the world of darkness. And we have everything in common that we have been bought with a price. Oh my God. And that was the blood of Jesus. And so, ladies and gentlemen, if we're not careful, church, we will allow partiality to get in the church while we have favorites. And God is no respecter of persons. Let me show you something. I want to show you now that, number one, it is no way in the world. Number one is this. The spirit of racism is offensive to God. The spirit of racism is offensive to God. It is a spirit. It is a spirit. It is an evil spirit. It is an evil work. That's why James said it was an evil work. Those evil thoughts, those come from the flesh. Point blank, period. Works of the enemy. Why is it offensive to God? Acts 17 verse 26 says this, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings. In other words, from one man, nations were born. In other words, God does not see us uh, uh, God does not see the Bible also says that God to God. He doesn't there is no neither male or female. In other words, what God is saying that God sees us as one race and that is the human race. Ladies and gentlemen, all of us are part of the human race. More than your skin color, more than any of that is that you are part of the human race. Are you hearing me tonight? You are a part of the human race. In other words, there is no partiality with God. God sees us as one as the same. Are you hearing me tonight? He sees us as one as the same. In other words, you, my friend, are part of the human race. And it's offensive to God because God created us as one race. And we're one race, the human race made up of different ethnicities. Are you hearing me? And so it's offensive to God because it's offensive to his order. It's offensive to God because it's offensive to his plan for man. Are you hearing me tonight? That's why it is offensive. Because again, God created us. What he sees is, oh my God, he does not see the external. God had to show Samuel this. He had to tell Samuel, he says, look, man looks on the outer. But I look at the heart. So when God, why is it offensive? Because God is not a judger of external things. God is a judge of the heart. Are you hearing me tonight? And he's judging the heart. When he looks at you, he's judging your intent. He's judging your motives. But man is always looking at the external. I don't care what nobody tell me. 
Man is always looking at the external. Man is always already making a judge, a prejudgment about you before they even know you. And why is racism wrong? Racism is wrong because you're saying because of my external and what you may perceive that I don't have this or that I'm not worthy of this or that. But it doesn't matter what you think because you're at the same place that I am. You're part of the human race. And because we're all a part of the human race, it's offensive because every person in the human race deserves respect. They deserve respect. Listen to me, and this needs to be really clear. You may not agree with the LGBTQ lifestyle. Neither do I. I don't agree with many lifestyles, but every person is deserving of respect. There's a, there's a level of respect that you give to people that no matter if you disagree with them, you still, still uh, oh my God, you should still respect them. This is, oh my God, you give the respect in order to get respect. You honor people. Are you hearing me tonight? You can't ask for this respect, respect, respect. And that's why I have a problem with their agendas too. Because they want respect, respect, respect. But they don't want to respect nobody else's thoughts. And their, oh my God, and their beliefs. But you want everybody to conform to your belief. What makes you better than mine? When you know you're wrong in the first place. So you want everybody to come and conform to a thought. Oh my God, help me in this room tonight. You got to be out of your mind. I got a mind. And I got the right to think and say and believe what I'm going to believe. And you can't tell me any different. Because as long as I'm making a judgment based upon the word of God, that's what validates me. And you can't use the word of God to try to put my God, to try to don't use it to demean a person. But no, you use the word of God to show them and bring them to a place of freedom. You had narcissists, hear me, you had narcissists use the word of God to try to validate slavery. You had narcissists to try to validate the word of, to use the word of God to validate, oh my God, like Adolf Hitler, to validate, the, oh my God, the killing and the execution of Jews. And that is evil to twist the word of God for one's agenda. Because you have favoritism. Partiality is a sin. Prejudice is a sin. It is a sin before God and it is offensive because it's a sin. Are you hearing me tonight? Hallelujah. Point two, I want to show you that the spirit of racism goes against the law of God. James chapter two. I want you to see this. I want you to see this in James chapter two, verse eight, James chapter two, verse eight. And it says this. I think I got it on the screen. It says this. If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbors as yourself. You do well. Listen to the key word. It said the royal law. This is a, oh my God. Racism, the spirit of racism goes against the law of God. In other words, the royal law of God, the kingdom of God. We're not talking about the law that was given to Moses. We are talking about the divine order of the king. Oh my God. It goes against the law of the kingdom. In heaven, there is neither male or female. In heaven, there does not look at your ethnicity and your nationality. God does not care about that because you're one person in the kingdom. Are you hearing me tonight? It goes against God's royal law. 
It goes against what he says, oh my God, in his kingdom. And so how in the world are you going to approve something and stand behind something that is in, in, as in complete rebellion against the word of God and justify it? And that's what we do in our churches and justify it, wrong, wrongdoing. Especially with our evangelical brothers and sisters. I'm not here to point the fingers, but we must wake up and smell the coffee. And that goes to anybody. You cannot approve something that is utterly wrong. You may stand with him on some things, but certain things you got to say, this is where I draw the line. Again, you don't have to agree with everything a person does. But when you know it's utterly disrespectful, when you, when you know it's utterly bringing divisiveness, and when you know it's separating people, you have to call it what it is. It goes against the word of God. You can't stand for the word of God in other things, but not stand in the word of God on this thing neither. In other words, you got a lot of hypocrisy about you. Hallelujah. You got a lot of partiality about you. You want to know why? Because in your heart of hearts, you're scared because you're undercover one. Oh, I can't be one because I got African Americans in my church. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can still be one. Yes, you still can be undercover because you notice they won't be in your leadership because you don't think they're worthy of it. Oh my God, in here, you little, oh my God, you undercover racist, you undercover leader, you think that because you got African American people, oh, men, oh my God, minorities in your church, act like that, you, oh my God, you not one, if you, oh my God, you are one, if you ain't gonna say nothing about it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, they can only go get so far to you. They can only come up so far, because you are undercover one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't be fooled to me tonight. Hallelujah. How do I know there's partiality? Because more colored than African-American people or minorities are willing to sit under a Caucasian man. But they're not, oh my God, but the same other race is not willing to submit themselves under African-American one. And how do I know this is true? Look at your churches. We're more willing to be open. But you have one because of their partiality. There's no way in the world a black man can be over top of me because I think I'm superior. It's a sin. It's a sin against God. And you are wrong. You are dead wrong. <laughs> oh, it's a matter of my preference. No, it's a matter of your favoritism. And your preference is a part of you being partial. Everyone has a form of partiality. Are you hearing me tonight? We walk on search some, some walk on the other side of the streets with some people. <laughs> I just look, some of us can be partial against our own race. You, oh my God, I wish I could use that word today, but I can't. I'm in the pulpit. I can't use that. But I'm saying, I wish you see some of them jokers, you'd be like, okay, I'm going on the other side. You got to use discernment, amen. All right, I have, I have, I have another one. First John, chapter four. First John, chapter four. I'm coming to a close now. First John, chapter four. It reads, verse twenty. It says, "If someone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen." 
how can he love God whom he has not seen? Verse 20 says, and this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. There's no way in the world you can say you love God but hate your brother. Believe it or not, he is he or she is your brother and sister in Christ. There's no way you can say that you hate them. Now, let me bring you to a conclusion tonight about this issue. And what James is trying to get to tonight is that, again, it is wrong. He says partiality is wrong. All of us are guilty of it in some way. When we deal with the issue of racism tonight, how do we overcome this? You need to be born again. I mean, really born again. Here's the thing you have to understand. The reason why racism is so wrong and is a hot button issue, because, again, Christ came for the very reason to to uh, uh, to bring forth one new race unto himself. A new race of regenerated, born again believers, a people that is called to himself. The church being called to himself should look different. It should look different, but you can't look different reflecting and still holding on to what the flesh and your preference and your partiality, something has to give. Cause again, God is no respecter of persons and neither should we rich or poor. They should all be welcome. No matter who you are, they should all have a seat at the table. In the days of Jim Crow, there were some preachers who are of another, so they would come to their tent meetings and they would tell some of the African-American ones, he had to sit outside of the tent. Couldn't sit. You could see utter segregation within the church, which is a sin. You had people, uh, uh, one of your famous, one of the famous fathers of the Pentecostal movement could not sit when he was getting educated with the other with the other Caucasian brothers and sisters, he had to sit outside of the school. Richard Seymour, which is one of the fathers of the Pentecostal movement, because of that. Why? Let me tell you something. You want to know why Paul had to check Peter? It's because Peter was bringing that partiality into the church. And that's when you don't hear no more of Peter's ministry after Paul had to check him because he was trying to still keep and hold on to Judaism and trying to say Gentiles had to follow the same customs. When you get to a place, God will only use you but so far if you still can't get over that stuff in your heart. Peter's ministry, Paul checked them, and you see, you do not hear no more record of Peter. And you heard all this about Peter up until this point, because Peter was still, if you look at Acts, Peter was still wrestling with the old way and the new way. Don't take my word for it. Read the book of Acts and Galatians. Read it. Paul had to check Peter, bring him into order. One of the founding fathers. Because of his partiality. Because at the end, Peter still has some form of prejudice. 
against Gentiles. Oh. oh my God. And that can't stand when God is trying to win a broken world and reconcile it back to himself. They can't see Jesus. They can't really see Jesus if you got partiality with you. Peter's was missing, was what Peter's, Peter was, was allowing people to miss heaven because of his partiality. Stand your feet. Stand your feet. We gotta be careful as a church. We have to be able and willing to be able to receive all ethnicities that will come under our doors of different backgrounds, different cultures. They're not gonna look like you. Some men may walk around feminine. Don't laugh at them, bring them in. Tell them like, it's okay. We gonna work that in you. You gonna be all right. We gonna walk with you. Say, Lord, touch my heart of any partiality. Forgive me of any partiality that may be in my heart and allow me to forgive those who've shown partiality against me in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you're not saved in this room, I offer you Jesus tonight. I offer you the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who's able to save your life and make you whole again in the name of Jesus. If that is you, I want you to make your way here. If you're